episode 42 with Marina Paul on the Nine Point Start the Dream podcast. Welcome to Nine Point Started with a Dream podcast. Our goal is to showcase the stories of athletes and the community that supports them by being authentic about their journey. Here's your host, Jacoby Gillum. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host as always, Jacoby Gillum. This episode, um, we have Marina Paul. Marina Paul, she's a soccer player, former former Georgetown Hoya. You know, she's doing some cool things now with Jocks and the We Are Jocks podcast, kind of helping keep the lifestyle going, kind of keeping the conversation going between athletes and help help athletes stay connected after their playing days. So much props to her. We go through her journey from the from the early days of soccer to going to college to the injury to now this transition and what she's learning and what she's doing now. So great episode here. Um, you're gonna get a lot of value for it. She has some events coming up. I know I know we kinda missed the first one. So she has, she has some more events coming up soon. So hope you, you guys go follow her and kinda make sure you stay in touch with jocks. Here we go. So Marina, so the question asked everybody Evan comes on is when you're younger as an athlete, what's one of your bigger dreams or goals you want to achieve? <laughs> so that's funny because I don't think when I was younger I really saw it. Um you know, sort of like this, this end goal in sight. Um, my, one of my, I wouldn't call it fondest, but sort of memories that drives me to do, do what I do is sort of the pit of me of who I am is my dad brought me to this club soccer tryout for the Southern California blues. And it was one of the top soccer clubs in the country. And I was nine years old, was excelling in recreational soccer, but wasn't necessarily didn't have like the foot skills um technical skills required to play really at the next level I was just super athletic and I go to this this tryout um not during tryout season my dad was just called them up it's like hey can my daughter try out I like the style of soccer you guys play I went and the first thing they started doing was juggling a soccer ball and I literally could not juggle one more than one time I would drop the ball on my foot and it would shank in every single direction and it was so embarrassing I had these other nine-year-old girls people who I'm still best friends with today they were doing like 300 juggles at age nine and I was so embarrassed and humiliated um but let my athleticism sort of lead the trial and you know, my dad walked me off the field after the practice and he was like, well, at least we gave it a try. Like maybe, you know, we'll just continue playing recreational soccer. And then he gets a call about an hour after the practice, um, from one of those coaches, the coach for the team. And he was like, so does Marina want to be on our team? And my dad's like, something wrong with this guy. Like, did he not see that she is like no foot skills? Um, but what he saw that coach saw in me was sort of this internal drive and I think just natural athleticism, but I just wanted, I just went as hard as I could always, all times. Um, so I think that has, has led me to where I am. I always, I think growing up in that club system, always had dreams of, of being a, a college athlete, um, whether it was with soccer or I also had the opportunity to play volleyball in college, but I always saw sort of just being a college athlete and going to a great school was, was sort of the dream. But I think more so the dream was to go head down, you know, face first into anything that I thought was challenging. Um, because I knew if I could sort of make one of these teams when I was a young kid with, with zero really, I guess, talent, 
um, then I really, I really could set myself up to do anything. Um, so yeah. So kind of seeing those other athletes that were, you know, in your same age range and they were doing things better than you, mm-hmm. did that ever discourage you? Like, especially like, you know, as a first time athlete, was it like, oh, maybe, maybe this is not for me? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, that's, that, I think that is what defines athletes though, because there's so many, so many different scenarios in life where you're going to go in and you're not going to be the smartest one in the room. You're not going to be, you know, the most, the most liked, the most talented, the, the prettiest, the strongest, you know, there's so many different scenarios in life where you will not be the best, but what defines as an athlete is being able to put yourself into challenging and very uncomfortable situations and figuring out how to make yourself better. And knowing that the whole entire thing is a process and you, it's really, it's really easy to compare yourself to others, but there's a reason why all these different positions on a field exist. There's a reason why there's a million different amazing athletes in the world. Um, you have to find the formula that works best for you. And I think as a young kid, it could be really discouraging, but I was thankful to have very, very supportive parents and a very supportive older brother who I also saw go through those uncomfortable situations. Um, but my parents always taught me, you know, we're going to put you on the best teams in the country. You're going to have to figure out how to stay on those teams Um, so they, that was really amazing in that sense. And they also came at it from like, you don't, you don't, you have to earn the right to, to start. You have to earn the right to play. Nothing, nothing in life is handed to you. Um, and that comes mostly from your work ethic and your good attitude. So, but yeah, it's definitely challenging being a kid when you're around all these other people that, that potentially are better. Definitely. So, so, so once you got that call, your dad was like, oh, she's on the team. How, how did that change your trajectory when it came to sports or how you viewed sports beyond that first team? Yeah. Um, and I think that you always have to find something that you fall in love with. For me, it was always sports, whether it was playing at that point, I was playing basketball, I was playing softball soccer, volleyball. My parents never let me play just one sport. Um, and they always made me compete sort of against my brother or with my brother. So naturally, you know, I was building the tools to become more successful, but they always approached it in a sense where it's like, you have to make sure that you're having the most fun possible because then it becomes a job and no nine-year-old should be, you know, viewing something that's supposed to be really fun. Um, as a job. So I think for me, I just fell in love with the way games and sports made me feel. And it gave me the confidence that I didn't find anywhere else. It gave me this confidence where I, that I could use to apply in other areas, but in those other areas, I didn't find the confidence. I'm not sure if that makes total sense, but Sports, being good at sports and being athletic and having that outlet, yeah, allows you, allows you to carry that over into other things, whether that's the classroom, whether that's making new friends, joining a new school system, um, 
you know, doing anything else that you find as a hobby, it gave me so much more confidence. And I think that really started to blossom sort of in high school. I think middle school was definitely challenging just because everyone's going through weird things, I think. Um, and figuring ourselves out, but high school, you know, when you're playing a sport for your school, people start to see and respect the stuff that you do on the field. Um, but then your ability to also perform in the classroom. So it became part of my identity and being around, you know, having an older brother who also was, is a very, very talented athlete who played at the school, you know, it gives you some sort of level of respect from people. So, so yeah. So, so like at what point do you kind of realize that you could be really good at this? Um, so candidly, I, (laughs) I don't know if this sounds like pretty aloof, but I was just like, I, I was just having a ton of fun. I was lucky I was very, very lucky to have parents that were financially there to support me. A lot of people don't have that. So I was given the resources to be on the best teams. Um, Whether that was, I narrowed it down to um, volleyball and soccer. And candidly, I was going to go play volleyball. I wanted to go Pac-12 for volleyball. Um, I was on a very, very good club team with great coaches. And I think, you know, starting, you know, freshman and sophomore year of high school, you start to figure out, those are like, probably beginning of when you start to figure out, okay, I'm, I'm kind of good at this. Um, but, and then same, same with soccer. I was always on teams where everyone on the team was going to go play the college sport, whether most of them were division one. So when you surround yourselves with people like that, you kind of, it's ingrained in your head. Now it's just like figuring out the right school system, um, for you and the right location in, in the country. Um, but I think the best part about being sort of on those teams was that, you know, we were challenging ourselves every single practice, every single game, because we genuinely wanted to make everyone better. And it was so exciting to see when someone would verbally commit to some somewhere else. I think I heard a quote the other day um, that competition, it was actually Smokey Robinson said this on Oprah's Masterclass podcast, which is one of my favorites. Um, he became such a great musician because of the people around him. And competition leads you to success. So I think being able to orient yourself to be on the best, most competitive teams is how you become your absolute best. So I realized I was good, but I was humbled by the people who were around me. And I wanted to make sure that the college I eventually chose was surrounded with people who were better than me both academically as people and on the field. If you kind of kind of say it was kind of the people around you that kind of drove you to be your best version of greatness. Mm-hmm. Okay. So absolutely. So so how did you kind of take it as a sense of I don't know as a driver and not and not not ever get discouraged? Because I think sometimes I know like a lot of athletes get discouraged when they see people that are better than them. And they 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 kind of they, they don't kind of have the the switch to understand that this should be a driver for you, not a discourager. Oh my gosh! I mean, if I said I was never, if any athlete says they were never discouraged, like they're straight up lying to your face. I think you're constantly, constantly being tested, mm-hmm. and especially when you go to, you know, whether whether you go to a great academic institution or not, you are tested in the classroom and you're tested by the people around you and you're tested on the field. 
I think the point that differentiates people who get defeated and people who excel is, is that voice talk in, inside of your, I guess the self-talk inside of your head, um, building, building this team around you that's really supportive of who you are. I think it's important to have people who are a lot better than you around you. Um, for example, I sort of build my friend group now with people. I fundamentally believe everyone around me is far better than me in different areas. And that's why they're my friends. And that's why I associate with them. Um, because I want to become a better human being and learn from them. But they, at the same time, are very encouraging of me and want to help me succeed. So you have to surround yourselves with people who, who bring you joy, who don't, I guess, cramp your style, um, but expect the best out of you. And going back to that self-talk, you know, it's really, it's really easy to let yourself become defeated. And you can have those moments where you feel that defeat and you can feel sorry for yourself, but you have to wake up at the end of the day, let yourself have those moments, but wake up the next day or have it for an hour and move on because nothing defeat that should be every athlete's greatest fear like to avoid that that feeling of defeat and I think the way you can do that is is by working hard figuring out what what isn't working and go and better that skill or better what you're great at something that I love to do with myself you know, if I'm, if I'm feeling defeated in, in starting my own company or just in life, I'm not having a good day. I will make myself go run hill sprints, just sprint, sprint, and sprint. And I think for me, it's like, I realized then that pain is only temp temporary, that defeat is only temporary and that it's your mental strength that allows you to move on. That's good. I'm starting to work out more too. I'm like, okay, if I want to, you know, kind of stay in the right mindset, I need to start running some, running some sprints. And I ran sprints this morning, so. Yeah, because, <laughs> I mean, you get to that point and, and everyone who's hit that point in themselves, I don't know how else to do it, but physically, when you are working out at your hardest, you have this just rush of negative thoughts. Like, I can't do this. I'm not going to finish. Like, all this stuff you know, this person's pissing me off. That's not working out. And all of a sudden you just power through that for the next 10 seconds and, and it's gone. And then you realize, wow, this is what I'm capable of. All that other stuff doesn't matter. And so it's the same thing when you feel defeated. It's, you know, a lot of people, I was blessed to have a great support system at home, but a lot of people like their outlet is the field. And then when they go home, they have to worry about putting food on the table. So when they're able to, that can be completely defeating in itself. So when they're able to mentally control that and know that they are so, so, so strong physically and mentally, you know, all that stuff is, they're going to overcome it. So I just think that for me physically and mentally to get to make sure that I'm on the right track, to make sure that I don't let little things get to me. I will go like bust my ass and, and, and realize that pain is temporary and you will get through, this, you get, will get through the hard stuff. Love it. So, so as you kind of got your journey, right? So when you're going to school? So I went to Georgetown University I was blessed to have five years there. Um, so grew up in Southern California, made my way to Washington, D.C. 
absolutely loved my experience there. I would be lying to say if, you know, every single part of it was just like sunshine and roses, whatever that um, idiom is, but it was an ultimate test of character. And I say that because freshman year, I went through stuff mentally. Um, I started and played every single minute of every single game, but I was battling a toxic relationship um, personally, and that ultimately left led to something um, in the spring following my freshman year. So I was on the Big East all-rookie team with notable like Syracuse, Notre Dame, UConn, all that stuff. Um, but I was so mentally messed up that I almost lost my scholarship and was almost kicked off the team. And that was something that I haven't really shared with anyone before, but it's something I very much internalize still. So, you know, you go, it, what, what's really hard is like you go to college and, you know, you go and you think you're going to soccer school as my, my baby cousin calls it. And you think that, you know, winning and having all of these successes as a team and being able to start and play every minute is like everything you could have ever wanted. And it, and it was for me, I unfortunately succumbed to some things that weren't so great. And I think that took away from all the fun I was having on the soccer field. So again, that little, that little girl that was inside of me who couldn't juggle a soccer ball is ultimately the little girl that sort of saved me in the end and allowed me to keep playing. Um, so battled that but I think it also helped make me made me a more compassionate human being to other people on the team who might have been going through things themselves not that I was fully aware of them but you know understanding that people people go through really hard stuff mentally and it doesn't matter where you come from um but the fact that we're all on the same team and we need to be there for each other um for it all so Fast forward to my, uh, the end of my junior year. So was lucky enough to be named captain my junior year with one of the best players, probably the best player to ever go through Georgetown soccer. She's now on the French national team and is going to be competing in this year's world cup, which is phenomenal. It was incredible to play with her for three years. Um, I tore, I blew out my knee in the Big East championships and, um, I remember doing it. It was on TV. You know, my mom's in California freaking out. We're playing at St. John's in New York and she's, you know, it was just awful. It was just like a really bad thing. But, you know, cause I'm a psycho. I went back and watched it like 20 times, watch it happen uh, because I wanted to understand what I did wrong so I can improve it for the next time when I was going to come back to play. That was the first time I ever realized, wow, it kind of stinks not to, not to feel athletic, not to be athletic. Um, I tried to go in after absolutely destroying my knee. I told my coach, I was like, I'm going in and I like fell over because I couldn't walk. I've been um, there. right. And it's like, you're, you, you reach that point where, you know, from the ACL, you, <laughs> you feel like you've been shot in the knee or like, it's just been sliced open. Um, and then all of a sudden the shock is over and I was like, I'm fine. I'm going in. It's a big championship. I'm going in. He's like, no, like you, like you're no, just sit down. Um, I actually think he yelled at me, but yeah, so that, that was really tough. I really, you really 
start to understand how grateful you are for a healthy functioning body. And you're very humbled because not a lot of people know this about the ACL or maybe a lot of people can sort of empathize this, but you have to learn how to straighten your leg again. You have to learn how to walk and to put this into context for people, straightening your leg is one of the most frustrating things in the world. I don't, I remember for the first two months, that was like my sole focus. It's like, I have to get this leg straight. Um, and now it's like, it's, it's like breathing. You don't think about your, your leg being straight when you're healthy. Um, but then you also, when you're relearning how to walk, the most frustrating thing is, you know, having someone across campus yell at me like, stop limping. And you know, you're like, I'm not limping. And, you know, these become sort of your everyday thoughts. So it's not, oh my gosh, I'm going to beat this girl to sprint to this ball so she doesn't score on us. It's no, I'm going to heel toe, heel toe, heel toe, learn how to walk again. So for me, that was, that was a really, really tough thing to deal with. Um, and then unfortunately, I tore my ACL again in, in practice my senior year at the beginning of the season. Um, it was four games in. So fortunately, if I would have played that fifth game the next day, I would have been ineligible to redshirt. Um, but I got the redshirt and was able to come back. I, first of all, I was like, I'm never playing soccer again. This is ridiculous. Like soccer doesn't want me to play this sport. Like I'm, my body does not want me to play soccer anymore. But I remember being on the field when we were playing Virginia Tech that's that year. And I just, I, you know, you have every athlete knows this, like, you know, this going to the start line again, all you want to do is one last race. All you want to do is like have that, the, that those butterflies, almost like that sick feeling in your stomach um, of competition and to play again. So my coach comes over to me and it was just like, what do you think Bambi? He called me Bambi because I'm a six foot, very leggy person. Um, and I go, oh my gosh, I can't wait to play again. So from then on, never questioned it. Came, came back to my fifth year. Um, thought I was fully recovered and get in. I'm fit, ready to go. Probably the strongest I've ever been. Um, soccer wise, I wasn't necessarily there. I think everyone can relate to this when I come back from injury, like your brain's working fast, but your body just doesn't respond like that quick twitch isn't there yet. Um, so the first five games I like didn't play, maybe played five to 10 minutes and I couldn't understand why I didn't talk to my coach about it really. And I was supposed to be this captain on this team and I was probably the worst captain in the world was sulking. It was the lowest I've ever seen my character. So you think that a physical injury is really hard, but it's all of those mental components that nobody talks about. Um, finding yourself again, feeling when you're attacking the ball, whether whatever sport you're playing, that you're like, wow, that was my old me. And everyone knows that feeling. Um, so how was your confidence? So you, I go back to earlier, you talked about confidence, right? But how did you yeah. work on rebuilding that confidence, you know, in your leg and in your ability in a sense? You know, it's, it's really hard. So... I think that I had confidence in myself, but my coach wasn't seeing it in me. So 
my thing was, was going back to the fundamentals. So I was like, all right, well, same thing. I'm going to bust my ass again, do as many extra sessions as I can get as fit as I possibly can. So when I step on that field, he's going to know that he never should have not played me. And I just like, even after we play games and I didn't, when I didn't play, I would just like go on runs and I would just like try and, you know, I would do our fitness tests and I would do all these extra things. Um, but a lot of it for me was becoming a better person. And I think what helped me through that was when I was not starting, I was playing all practice team, um, in the scrimmages and for anyone who's ever, you know, been on the practice team or had the opportunity. These are the best people on your team. And it took me for five years now to realize that they are the most humble human beings on the face of the earth. These people kill themselves every practice and they don't get the opportunity to play. And for me, that was the thing I needed to be humbled. And that was a thing that was humbling, the most humbling. And I was like, wow, if these people can come out every single day to practice in the blistering heat in the middle of, you know, August in, in Washington, DC, which is miserable. Like I can, I can be a much better teammate, let alone the leader of this team. And so I just have all the gratitude in the world for all of those people. Um, they taught me what it, what it was to be a great teammate and how to be a great person. So ultimately I just, I just started focusing on them. How can I, how can I play for them? How can I, you know, play for these people, this team who we all fundamentally just loved each other um, and stop looking so much inward. And fortunately I got the opportunity to play the fifth game in and never came off the field after that. But um, that was my biggest learning lesson is in any organization and on any team and any company, look to the people who are like those silent heroes, silent warriors, because those are the people that are driving your company and will be there to the end and make sure that you show them love, that you congratulate them, that you tell them that they mean something because those are the people that you never ever want to lose. So true. So true. So as, as your career kind of progressed, you know, you're overcoming the ACL injuries, you're back on the, back on the field, you're playing. Mm-hmm. What was your thoughts on what's next after this is all over? Yeah, I really was trying to just enjoy the moment. Um, I, my brother is like some person that I, he's, you know, probably, probably the only person that always, that knows my entire story um, start to finish. And and, you know, I just was lucky enough to have him and he, he's still playing baseball. And, um, he was just like, don't, don't worry about what's next. Like enjoy the process, enjoy what you're doing here because you've worked so hard to get back from, you know, destroying your knee. So just enjoy what you're doing and then you can decide. And, and candidly, I didn't know. I, my goals were like our team goals where I wanted, we wanted to win a, the first Big East championship ever for Georgetown. And we wanted to go as far as we could in the NCAAs. And, and we did that. And for us, you know, I was focused on enjoying my, myself with my teammates because I knew it was the last time I was ever going to wear a Georgetown across my chest. And I was so, so proud to represent that, that 
university, represent all the alumni that had come before me, represent the fact that it was the most winning women's program we've ever had, and represent the fact that, you know, there's these incredible humans around me that just want, you know, everything I do and want to do or die for me and as well as me for them. So I didn't think about what was next and I don't encourage anyone else to really think about what's next. I encourage people to, to do their best in the classroom, to get those internships that they need to in the summertime, but to enjoy the process because it's four years of, or five years of your life. Um, and then, and then it's all over. Um, so that, that's, that's when, that's when the hard part, um, sort of set in, I guess. So, so going back to you saying, just kind of enjoy the process, you know, enjoy your time there. What would be maybe like your, your, some tips to maybe to do that? Cause it's so easy to kind of start thinking about, you know, as you're getting up graduation, you're starting by Captain Gallon, I'm like, oh crap, if it's really coming to an end and Get a job or... I was definitely someone who always had tried to have a job in college, um, try to have an internship, try to do something. I wanted to gauge my interests a little bit. And I also think it's a good thing, especially in your off season for sports, just try and see, you know, sometimes you just kind of need a break. Um, so, but my, my tips for that would be to talk to people who have been in your shoes before you don't necessarily need to get a job or an internship during your seat. Obviously you can't during season um, or after try to do something in the summer that you think you'd be good at. Even if it's like some summers I worked at my gelato shop in my hometown. Um, and I, I think talking to people who've been where you are is really, really crucial. And what I mean by that is someone who's played a sport, someone who potentially has gone through an injury, someone who has struggled with a transition because it's really hard for people to understand where you're coming from and your mentality as an athlete when, you know, what during your job search. Um, a lot of people aren't used to having to work, wake up at 5.30 a.m., go hit the weights, then go to eight hours of class, and then go to six hours of practice, and then film, and then starting your homework at 11 p.m., um, and then doing it all over again. A lot of people aren't used to the pressure that you're used to playing in front of, playing in a massive stadium. Um, people aren't used to the camaraderie of a team that you have that's so, so fundamentally important to every athlete. So I just recommend trying to talk to as many people as possible that are most similar to you um, in finding, you know, something that you could, that could potentially make you tick. I believe um, my brother and I have this conversation all this all the time. Like we are athletes. That's what's made us successful um, by title. But I think we're, we're obviously so much more than that. And we have a responsibility to society to be the best people we can. And you're not serving anyone by just siloing yourself to the playing field. So we, we are in these amazing institutions for a reason to, to get an education to play our sport and to learn how we can best contribute to those around us. And for a lot of us give back to the people that gave us so much. So start by talking to people who, who understand your story and understand um, what drives you. So, so with you, mm-hmm. you, you kind of, you kind of fell up with something called jocks. Mm-hmm. How, how did your heart kind of fall into that passion project? 
Yeah, it was, um, you know, it, it was a really, really rough two years. I decided not to continue playing soccer after we lost in the final four in 2016. Um, I wanted to finish my master's and see what else I was good at. And I don't regret my decision at all. Um, for me, I always had this burning desire. I was like, I know something bigger is in me within the realm of sports, but I didn't know what it was yet. And I didn't think that I could find that going abroad and playing or playing in the States still. Um, so, but for me, I mentally was just miserable. I would go home. I would work my internship from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m., go to my master's classes from 4.30 to 8.30. Then I would go home, eat dinner, go to bed, get my eight hours, wake up, work out. Same thing over and over and over again because I, I crave that structure, that routine. And I didn't know like how to fit into society. And then I started working. Um, I started another job working for a startup, which was great. It was founded by all athletes, someone at Georgetown. And that was a really great opportunity um, just to be around people who, that, who thought like me. But I also just started to witness, you know, all of these things that I wish I had still in my life. I crave this student athlete lifestyle again. Um, this wake up, work super hard, have this game day, have all that stuff. I didn't have any meaningful days like that in my life anymore. I started talking to all of these other athletes who I played with, some with myself, some with my brother, some that I just met through, um, friends of friends. Um, so I wanted to get gauge sort of like the atmosphere of athletes after they leave their sports and a lot of, um, working in super competitive industries like investment banking and things like that, where they work, you know, 15 hours a day. It's just ridiculous. And all these other things. And they're like, there's nothing that I'm as passionate about or feel as fulfilled with, um, than I was when I played my sport, whether that was high school, college, or professionally. Um, and so I was like, you know what, like nobody's told these athletes stories and it really helps me to hear what other people are going through. There's no, there's no solution for, you know, why yet, why we go, there's not a quick answer, I guess. And I, I think it's had a lot to do with like this mental, this mental journey. It's like, I don't think mental health is something like a game where you can just win or lose. It's not something that you can combat. It's something that you constantly strive to, you know, deal with and, and turn it into the best opportunity and solution for you possible. So, um, I just wanted to tell these people stories to feel like, you know, Hey, like one, it makes the person who's telling their story, gives them an outlet, makes them feel a sense of belonging and that they're okay. And they're still a great person Two, If it helps someone that, um, you know, maybe it's going through the same thing, then, then that is so fulfilling. So long story short, I started my own podcast, started, um, it's called Jocks, J-O-X. It is after, basically, because I want to sort of change the stereotype of, of a jock. Like I said, it's, it's hard to find your confidence when you're not on the field. And a lot of athletes feel, even when they're in school, that, you know, the people, the student body around them is judging them because they're dumb. They're single-minded. They're only there because they play a sport. 
they're not hardworking, they come into class with headphones on. I wanted to change that stereotype and that's that's what kind of drives me because because we're not dumb. If you read a football playbook, you understand how to do those plays. You are absolutely not dumb. If you can even like if, even if at the high school level, if you can understand how to learn a sport and how to build a team, you are absolutely not dumb or single-minded. So my whole purpose and all of that is to sort of recreate the student athlete lifestyle to enable these incredible individuals who have become successful through sports to be successful in things outside of sports, but teaching them through a sports mindset and lifestyle. So if, so, so say someone may for the first time, what would you want them to gain from your story and your journey as an athlete? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. <laughs> um, boom. boom. I know that hit me. I think. So when I was done, I was like, I was, I had a lot of shame because how could I have gone through all the stuff I went through in college, learned, relearned how to walk and all, all that. Hopefully my team to a final four. How could I be so mentally distraught? Um, not having my sport anymore. And I want every athlete to know, one, that I get what you're going through with this transition. Two, don't be ashamed of yourself. Love yourself for for everything that you are. And I say that because I know pretty much every athlete has this uh, a whole nother level inside of their heads this sort of tick and that's that thing you can be so tremendously hard on yourself you can be so regimented you can be so intense and I hated that part of me but I'm have learned to start to love that part of me because it has gotten me to where I am so I would just say the biggest thing that I want people to take away from my story is it's okay to not have it all figured out and to feel lost but love the part that got you to where you are and realize that that's gonna that same thing is gonna is what's going to take you to the next level and you are going to find your purpose in this world. And I guess the other advice I would have for people is be truly, truly thankful for the opportunities that you have been given and leave everyone else better than you found them. Because I think once you start to think about it in that sort of sense, it's not like this defense buildup against people who you know, you're interacting with who may not understand your mentality or may not understand where you come from. Um, if you are kind and you leave them better than they found them, there's no, you will just naturally just feel better. Um, and that's how you create a better world, I think. And then lastly, is just have passion every day. Like find something that you can feel passionate about every day. I think those are a lot of key points. Because <laughs> it, it's so true just to get so caught up in ourselves, you know, and don't think about how 
we can really impact others, especially through our platform as athletes, right? So I think mm-hmm. what you're doing with jocks is so is so powerful and so cool to see because like through a nine point you know, everybody has a story that can inspire somebody. Right. Yeah. And I, I think what you're doing, you're telling these stories that are athletes that, that may have been silent because they because they don't have the right clout, you know, and I think so it's a much respect to you for taking that on and kind of being the reporter and really helping spread the spread the knowledge. Well, and, and you too. I mean, there's a there's a team of us out here. You know, that's all we're trying to do is rebuild this team. But what's even more exciting about it now is that, you know, we're not competing against each other. You know, it's not um, Georgetown versus University of Oklahoma. Like, it's yeah. we're all on the same team now, and we are so capable of things. And I just see what we have gone through being on teams and learning how to work with others. You don't have to be friends with everyone and you don't have to like everyone, but you do have to figure out how to work with people and how to be a respectful, passionate human being. And we have the power to do that. And we have the power to change the course of the way things are after, after sports, you know, it's life. Life is our new sport and figuring out, you know, what, what we're going to excel at. And I truly think that we can change the course of the way people treat each other just because of the way we've been taught how to treat people to have a successful team. We're going to, we're going to change the game. My bet is on athletes all the time, every time, whether you have, you know, didn't grow up playing sports and are playing sports now. I like to call it like athlifer, like an person who lives an athletic lifestyle. But like, if you think it's just a mentality, I think athlete is a mentality and it's like this language. If you think like us, um, and you think like you want to be a compassionate, hardworking, balls out, like just going for it, human being, then you are considered an athlete in my, in my head. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Athletes for life. Athletes so, for life. I love it. So one last question for you. So where can people find, find more about Jock than you? Social media, websites? Yes, I love it. Um, so you can find out more about Jocks on Instagram, keeping it very simple. We are J-O-X. We are Jocks. And then also if you go on iTunes, it's We Are Jocks and Jocks in all capitals. Um, so iTunes, SoundCloud all has the podcast, but Jocks is alive and well on Instagram. Um, yep, just keeping it super simple. <laughs> if people are in major cities like New York, LA, DC, Boston, Philly. We're going to start doing events. We're hosting our first event February 10th with a bunch of former athletes talking about life after sports. And the Fuel Bar, which is food and beverages, is sponsored by athlete-founded companies. Awesome. I'm, I'm going to come up for that. I'm going to fly out. Yes, I wish. That'd be awesome. Awesome. Well, Marina, Paul, thank you so much for coming on. I think like what you're doing is so inspiring just to just see someone else kind of really innovating the culture. So glad to have you on. Yes, likewise. Thank you so much for this opportunity. This is great. Yo, thanks for listening to this episode of the Nine Point Started With A Dream podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please comment, share, leave a review. We would love to hear your thoughts. You can find more athlete-driven content at ninepoint.com. Till the next episode, you're only one opportunity away. Peace.